0: Ladies and gentlemen, finally, <laughs> I mean finally, it is the turnbuckle takeover. It is episode 11, and I am large and in charge with this episode. This one is going to be different than anything we've ever done. First off, let me start off by saying I want to apologize to my fans for being on a delay. Um, The way the world is right now, I've had a lot of things going on um trying to find out my finances along with everybody else that's in the same predicament that i am um i'm not trying to talk about life with this this is a wrestling show but i do want to apologize my to my fans and my cool cats and kittens out there (laughs) if anybody watched that tiger king stuff that is like the volume turned up a thousand but so fake but anyway needless to say Um, I hope everybody's enjoying their time home with their families. Uh, This has been a rough go of it for everybody. Uh, Whether it's a conspiracy theory or a virus. It is what it is. We're home. The only problem I have with this whole situation. And I don't want to start the podcast off on a bad note. And I'm not saying it's a bad note. But WWE yesterday. And I'm glad I waited to film this, (laughs) because I would have had to talk about this next week. So, things happen for a reason. Um, I'm not sure why the state of Florida deemed WWE essential personnel. Now, when I was growing up, essential personnel meant firefighters, nurses, grocery shoppers, or, or grocery attendants, um... You know, never in the history of life has wrestling been essential. Now, is it essential to my uh, thought process in life? Yeah, it is. I need wrestling. If I didn't have wrestling, I don't know like what I would even get into. Like I don't know what my hobby would be. You know, Um, I am having a problem with this because I feel like okay, well, if WWE is essential, why aren't I? Why can't I go back to work? What is keeping me as a restaurant manager and my employees from going back to work? If wrestling is essential, (laughs) because if wrestling's essential, then everything's essential. Correct? I could be wrong, but that's how I see it. That's my opinion. WWE should not have been Anywhere near an essential list. Sorry. In fact, I will stick with what I said a couple weeks ago. WWE should not be working right now. These guys should be home with their families. Do I appreciate it? Yes. There was someone on the internet who I wouldn't say I'm friends with, okay? I'm just going to state that. He runs a little backyard federation. And we all... If, if anybody knows who I am, okay, they know this guy. Somewhat. Okay, he lives in Salisbury. And I'm not going to throw names out there because I'm sure somebody will go back and tell him and then it'll be a big old brawl and I'll just have to defend myself because I know I'm right on this. Yes, I am happy WWE put on WrestleMania. Yes, am I happy that wrestling's back. No, I do not agree with it. Me being happy with something and agreeing with something is two totally different things. And these people that run these little backyard federations, do yourself a favor and quit. Because you're making the business look really fucking stupid. I sit here and I watch a certain somebody literally post the most terrible matches and this dude has a ring in his backyard. Come on, man. You're a trained professional. You went to a wrestling school from what I understand. So why would you need or feel the need to get on there and blast me? Because I said that WWE shouldn't be working right now? Yeah, you damn right I said that. Because that's my opinion, and I'm a right to have one. It is pathetic how these backyarders go around and, <laughs> and, and, and say, Oh, well, uh, the people who say that WWE should shut down... Uh, Where would we be without wrestling? I'll tell you where we'd be at wrestling. Same place we are right now. In the house, in lockdown. These guys are having hand-to-hand combat. They didn't let the UFC do their fights. You know, so it really fathoms me how Vince McMahon really got them to pull the trigger on this. I have sat and thought about this since this was released yesterday maybe even the day before and I sat there and I was like what in the hell is going on come on now like essential yeah like I said essential to my happiness (laughs) that's about it so how do you all feel about that like and comment below do you feel like the WWE should be essential personnel? Do you feel like wrestling should still be going on right now? Because right now I don't. And I'm a huge wrestling fan. If not the biggest where I'm from. So, with that being said. Let's get into some Ted points and, and bullet points. And things that we got going on around before I get into booking this invasion. And let me tell you. I literally have two pages written for one to all. So this is gonna be a very long process. I don't know how often I'm gonna do the can you book it? I think what I'm gonna do instead of booking like six months in advance of the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like Royal Rumble season to WrestleMania. How they would have booked the invasion angle. So when I start talking about this and I don't mean to jump around, I'm still got tidbits to talk about, but I wanna explain this real quick. I'm going to start the Raw of January 1st. Whatever week that would have been, that's the week I'm starting. I think that's perfect. Uh, That gives me time to do what I need to do with it, and it gives me time to book it and to make WrestleMania look strong when I book it. So little tidbits here that we got going on around the wrestling business because I'd like to go ahead and cover Raw, I'm gonna cover some things on Raw, but it's it's this empty crowd stuff is really starting to put a toll on me. Um, let's start off with Ronda Rousey. Okay, so I was really hot-headed about this when I heard it. She gets on her little World of Warcraft. I guess it was she was streaming. I'm not exactly sure what she was doing. All I knew is, somebody asked her a question about WWE, and basically, basically, this is what she said, wrestling's fake, and I don't understand why people get so uptight about it, and they didn't show me any, the fans showed me no respect, well, Rhonda, let me tell you something. First off, if you would have came in in the 1980s, you wouldn't have got any respect. In fact, your ass wouldn't have been on TV until you got trained. Yeah, did they put Sunny Lauper on TV? Did they put Mike, uh, um, Mr. T? Um, did they put Liberace? But they, Mr. T, is the only one that worked a match. And Hogan had him for months, and he trained him, and Mr. T did exactly what he was supposed to do. They were worried going into Mania one, but Mr. T was a celebrity, but he was a legitimate, I guess, badass in a way because he was a bouncer. I mean, I don't know. Like, you could look at this a hundred different ways, but I'm going to tell you right now, never once did I hear Mr. T come out and say wrestling's fake. And if you are cutting a heel promo, you got me. Kudos to you. And I'll keep that over there on, on the, you know, over here on the wayside. But, I can't stand her. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. If you want to be a badass, there is no badass in this world When you come to kick somebody's ass, are you going to smile while you're walking down the aisle or the entranceway, whatever you want to call it? For the life of me, I cannot understand why this girl consistently either thinks she's the golden goose, maybe because they pushed her to the moon and back, and now she's cocky. Well, let me tell you something. You know, if it was a heel move, eh kudos it's a good thing to do it was a smart little heel thing especially if she's gonna come back but I don't see her coming back my opinions are Ronda Rousey is done with wrestling or maybe that's my hopes <laughs> I can't stand her I understand she's a badass in the UFC I get it but she still got her ass knocked out and so did Brock so are they that badass? like I don't know it's, it's a touchy situation but Ronda knew better and even if she was cutting a heel promo you don't use that word fake Okay. I'm going to take a line from Jim Cornette on this. And I don't mean to steal stuff. Because I know I don't try to. But he said something pretty good on the dark side of the ring last night. In the Jimmy Snuka episode. You can call wrestling fake. Or maybe it's a brawl for all. Either one he said it. He can't stand when people call wrestling fake. Yes. Is it choreographed? Absolutely. But the people who make it seem like bull crap, by the stuff that they do, and then other people who aren't wrestling fans see it, that's what makes it fake to them. So, one move, it took Darren Draws off. One move. Draws took one bump and he was paralyzed for the rest of his life. How fake is that? Is that fake? No, it's not fake. I wish that word was never invented. Like, for wrestling. Like, because it's it's a word that's been thrown out there for years and years and years. Well, if it's so fake, big boy, why don't you get in there and do it? Because let me tell you something. I didn't even work that much. Okay? I had a few matches. I never got hurt. That I know of. Might have had a concussion that I don't know of. Because everybody threw me around because I'm a little guy but I know how to bump I can almost guarantee you this um if you think it's okay to cut a promo as a heel about wrestling fake I I don't dig it you didn't sell me on anything the only thing you wanted me to do which I guess in a way got a reaction out of me so she did sell it she pissed me off and. I guess as a heel, that's what you're supposed to do. So if you're looking at it on a business sense, if, I said if, she comes back, then it all makes sense. She did it on purpose. Kudos to her, because she's going to get major heat when she comes back, especially if Paul Heyman's her advocate, which I was hoping they were going to do this story when she first came. Guess not. So that's my tidbit on Ronda Rousey. I mean, if there was any vodka in here, I'd drink to it, but there's not. It's Mountain Dew. So, let's get into the revival. As you all know, for people who follow dirt sheets like half of my friends do, which I wish they'd quit sending me god, gosh darn rumors, uh, please stop doing that. If it ain't true, don't send it to me. I have tons and tons of people say, oh, well, I watched this and they said this. It doesn't matter. No one cares. What Wrestle talk or anyone else says, um, it's, it's everybody's opinion. That's all these wrestling podcasts are. They're an opinion and a guess. No one knows anything. Has the internet been right? Yeah, maybe out of pure coincidence. Or maybe because Vince wanted it to be right. But when Vince realizes the internet gets a hold of something now, if you notice, he changes it. So the Sting and Undertaker thing, part of the reason why that never happened is because we can put the blame on us. Because everybody for year after year after year has been like, oh, it's going to be Sting and Taker, Sting and Taker. And we still have not got it. And we aren't going to get it now. Huh. So it's very frustrating. Anyway, on to the revival. The revival leave world champion, World Wrestling Federation. I got to already say WCW, I don't know why. Um, because I'm thinking they were a WCW attack team. Now, this comes from a viewer. Uh, his name's Les. He's a friend of mine and he wants to know about tag team wrestling. Well, the Revival are one of the best tag teams probably left in this day and age. I know, I know, I know. The New Day is good. I'm talking WWE folks, by the way. I'm not even gonna hit AEW because they've got tag team wrestling almost on lock. Performers wise, yeah, WWE ain't nowhere close. Young Bucks is first. There's there's your first. Then you got the Lucha Bros, and the best friends, and hybrid. Uh, I think their name's Hybrid, Two O or something. Jack Evans, I think that's their name. They're they're good. I mean, even the Butcher and Blade, I could see hanging in there with some WWE tag team. I mean, even though they're the drizzling craps, sometimes, especially the Butcher. Whew. You can tell his age is catching up with him, sometimes. So, what can we do to change the tag division for WWE? It's quite simple. I don't understand why Vince McMahon, and I think I said this on a past episode, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but this is the truth. I don't understand why Vince McMahon can literally throw two guys together without matching, you know, know, attire. They make no sense in their promos because they got to cut a separate promo. They're not cutting a tag team promo. Anybody wants to know what a tag team promo is, go look up Demolition. Demolition were very good, and so was LOD. Both of those tag teams, and the Steiners, really any of the tag teams from the 80s somehow knew how to do tag team wrestling. Now it's a lost art. And let me explain why. There's a couple things. And it's little things. But they make a big deal. It's a few things. Number one, the tag rope. I want you to go back and watch 80s wrestling. And even 90s. Maybe until 95, 96, I think I noticed it going away. Especially in WCW. I don't remember a tag rope being there in the late 90s. Or even in WWE. The tag rope was gone. And let me tell you what the tag rope is. The guy that's not in the ring, standing on the apron, the other tag team partner, holds on to that rope to make himself legal, to make a tag. Well, you got that rope. You can do all kinds of stuff if you're a heel or babyface. You're a heel, you choke the guy out with the with the t- tag rope. I don't know where this tag rope thing came from. I don't know the origin of it, but it means something. Because it creates another part of the tag team story. Heels use it, babyfaces use it. Think about it. That babyface grabs that tag rope and he just he just panned out to the outside. And let me explain what panning means. It means I just got hit, I took a bump, I went on the outside to recover. To start another fresh rotation of moves. Now, with that being said. If you can keep the babyface away from the tag rope, then guess what that does? He's not a legal man, so he can't tag. So if you keep hitting him off the apron and hitting him off, going back, hitting the dude, that's psychology of tag team wrestling. The Revival is very good at psychology. For some reason, WWE can't figure out the tag team division. For the life of me, I don't understand it. Um, what can they do to change it less? Well, here's what they can do to change it. Stop putting guys together that do not have any kind of problem. Or they've had a problem in the past. Go back and look at the annals in time of tag team wrestling. You never had Ricky Morton. Without Robert Gibson. Unless Gibson got hurt. Or it was an angle. Total different ball game when it's an angle. I'm talking about regular matches. Axe wasn't without Smash. Hawk wasn't without Animal. Okay, we didn't... Now, later on in WCW, Hawk went... And I can't remember this Japanese guy's name. Nsiku Kasaki Sasaki? It was Sasaki. So... When Animal didn't agree with what Hawk was doing, Hawk went and got a Japanese partner because Hulk went to Japan. Different country. Same gimmick, just different partner. The problem is, these tag teams don't have gimmicks. Some of them do. I understand the New Day. They're my comic relief in the tag team division. And they're good. Not saying they're not. New Day is my one almost exception to this whole deal with WWE. The Usos are good. But how long is it going to take for them to build a really good tag team? Now, you know why people like the Street Profits? Because they have catchphrases. They have a prop. They talk about smoking ganja. Well, let's be honest. That's becoming a real popular thing nowadays. And when somebody says to you, you want the smoke... I think we all know what that means. <laughs> I mean, some people play dumb to it, but oh, we know what it means. And people who don't even smoke marijuana are in on it also. Because when I went to the house show, they had a pretty loud reaction. They had matching gears. They are both African American. They look like brothers. And let me bring the brother thing out to you. Another reason why a lot of tag teams worked back in the day and not now is because they looked similar. They looked similar, matching gear. They, their, their facial expressions were the same almost, and the crowd ended up loving both members of the tag team, not one or the other. Like for instance, um, I don't mean to keep bringing demolition up, but I'm trying to use WWE tag team stuff here. Not trying to go off into WCW, even though I did a little bit. This is WWE now. You're never going to see, you are never, ever going to see a legitimate good breakup if two guys didn't have anything in common in the beginning. So, if you're building to put two guys together who never should have been together in the first place, to just break them off in of an angle, fine. But if it's Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, or it's Axe and Smash, or it's um, The Midnight Express. You're not gonna break them off. Could you imagine Bobby Eaton? Or no, no, no. Well, Bobby had a singles career. Could you imagine Stan Lean Lean, working a singles career? No, you couldn't because he's no good without beautiful Bobby. And that's the other thing you have to think about. Is there one guy better than the other? Can the other guy talk better than the other guy? And here's the thing, too, with this day and age. There always seems to be two guys they don't know what to do with. We'll just throw them together as a tag team. That doesn't work. You know, where's the vignettes? Vignettes are great. Like, I remember back in the 80s when they were getting ready to bring a tag team in. There was always this big, like, it was a big deal. Now a tag team comes in. Yeah. And people's really lost the feel for tag team wrestling. Uh, The psychology of the matches are terrible. They're not tag team matches. It's two single guys taking on another two guys that are on the outside. That's what I feel. I don't feel like it's a tag team match. I feel like it's two singles matches into one. It's broken down too much. Like, tag team wrestling is very simple. But using the tag rope and getting a a hot tag or making a legal tag with the ref distracted is a lost art. My God, you can do so many more things with tag team wrestling. And I think one of the reasons why back in the day the NWA was like, we got these tag teams, we're going to run with them. My problem with WWE right now is there's no tag team that I could see main event in a card and being like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. Whereas back in the 80s, I would see the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express headlining or main eventing a card and I would be super stoked. Not now. Uh, how are we going to rectify this? Well, we're going to rectify this very simply is to bring tag team wrestling back it's gone it's there but it's gone the matches aren't laid out the same guys are just thrown together in tag teams that very rarely happened in the 80s I think maybe once or twice okay you had the Heenan family you had two different guys but it was the Heenan family they were a family it makes sense it's okay to rehash some things in wrestling I feel like sometimes they don't do that because they're afraid the internet's going to blow up on them. So what? There's another demolition. Does this really matter in this day and age? There's been so many things copied and done over. You know, how awesome would it be if maybe, you know, I like what AEW's doing when they have veterans managing the younger guys because it gives them a rub. It gives them that push a little bit. Like Jake Roberts with Lance Archer right now is a perfect example. Could you imagine this will never happen because they're in major contract disputes over royalties but if Axe and or even Smash either one walked out to the arena I'm here to debut a new tag team I'm their new manager and it was a dark like the Dark Order or something like that like a dark I'm not saying call them demolition you know maybe you could have done this with the Ascension maybe but Axe being the manager dude that just that rub, I need that rub. There's no rubs going on. It's just, here's my tag teams. I hope they do good tonight. That's what I think Vince thinks. I think he literally says, whatever. It's just He's never been a fan of tag team wrestling. And for the life of me, I can't understand it. Which is probably why I was a WCW fan so much. So, that's your tidbits for this week. Um, I hope you enjoy, enjoyed Raw. I hope you enjoyed SmackDown. Now we're going to get into some interesting stuff. Now we're going to talk about, can you book it? Um, It is in 2001 right now. Well, not really, <laughs> but it is. Um, it is the Raw in January 1st. So I'm going to be reading a little bit. going to try to not keep my head down, but this was a lot to write. So The Rock comes out and cuts a promo. Um, Basically about, you know, Royal Rumble, Mania. Uh, McMahon joins him. He thanks The Rock for a great victory at the last pay-per-view. NWO's music hits. Now, let me explain. This is the first time we are going to be seeing anybody from WCW. I have basically started this like WCW has been bought. We all know it. We have not seen anybody. Just explain that to people. So, there are actually only four members of this NWO. And as I explained in the past video, everybody is under contract with WWE. Okay? In this world. Alright? So, when I say Macho Man and guys like that who actually weren't in the Invasion, it's because I threw them in there. This is hypothetical. Okay, four members of the NWO the original three Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and Savage. They beat The Rock down. And I mean, they beat him with every inch of his body. Savage grabs a chair. Rock gets the upper hand on the original three. Savage comes from the crowd, grabs a chair, and just beats the shit out of The Rock. I mean, Savage is just unloading on him. crowd's going absolutely nuts. The NWO massacres The Rock, even takes down Vince. Vince is laying there. The Rock gets every finisher from the NWO we get a commercial break when we come back the NWO is walking to the arena in the back basically just tearing up everything just ripping through the whole promotion going in the back in the locker rooms destroying jobbers whatever it might be next match is up it's the Hardy Boys versus APA Uh, towards the end of the match Jeff goes for a swanton dive Hits it. About this time, out from underneath the ring comes Lance Storm. He hits a super kick on Jeff. The ref's distracted by Mike Awesome, who came down from the entranceway. We get the boom. APA gets the win. They get up, give the look. Like, what are you doing? Why are you helping us? What are you doing here? That kind of, you know, look. Um, this is going to be setting up Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. For a big feud with the Hardys and APA. This is where we're going with this. Um, I noticed as I was going through this. The WWE was so lackluster. On tag teams around this time. They did have the Dudleys. They had the Hardys. But Edge and Christian were on their way to their singles career. And we were getting ready to have the draft. There really was no tag team sin. Right now there is. But later on once we get into this. It's going to be a hard time to deal with it. Um, next up, we had Jericho versus Chris Benoit, and I put this match as, like, the match of the night, like, the one where really no kind of broken finish happens, it's just a finish for the Intercontinental title, clean finish, Jericho wins, but after the match, Booker T appears on stage, grabs a mic, does his Booker T stick, you know, sucker, I've been waiting years to see you again, and we were somewhere before, but now we're here together. I'm here to take that IC title, sucker. Whatever it might be, all right? But that sets up Jericho and Booker T. So now we go to another backstage segment, because we all know how the Attitude Era is. They love the backstage. Backstage with the Brothers of Destruction. They come commercial break. You see them walking towards the ring. They walk towards the ring back from commercial break. They... S- They basically, lights go out. They're like, what the fuck? Did you hear that voice? They hear a voice, okay? And it's a very low-key kid voice. Does anybody see where I'm going with this? Okay. It is literally, WWE took the Starcade 97 kid, which I heard was Sting's kid originally anyway, and cuts the shadows, like I'm in the shadows Taker. I want the real Undertaker. I don't want the American badass Undertaker. I want the Phenom. Now we all know where I'm going with this, stinging the Undertaker. It should have happened then, but it's gonna happen right now. (laughs) Um, I just, I think it'd be in the shadows. He casts, you know, this dark interview and the lights cut back on. You just see Taker standing there and Kane's looking at him and and Taker doesn't say a word. He just leaves. And that's never, usually Taker somehow has the last word, I guess. Um, but this shocks him. He doesn't see this coming. So we're gonna see where this plays out as the weeks go on. Okay, so the main event for Raw. Had not been announced yet. Now remember. This is before three hours. So I'm still running on two hours. And there was other things I could have added in this. But I'm trying to break it down. To where I can. Everybody can understand the angles. So the main event. Vince Vincent man comes out. He's got a bandage on his head. And he comes out and starts cutting his promo. And he says since I bought WCW. I own the talent. I own everybody. I own WWE, I own WCW. Now, let me bring this to te- your attention. Well, Billy, how come you're not mentioning ECW? Because I'm not ready to throw ECW in the mix yet. ECW is still technically a company at this time. They didn't close their doors till March 2001, I believe. So I've still got another Royal Rumble build and no way out. And then I'll probably do something with ECW eventually. Um, but anyway, so, Vince comes out, says, I own the WCW talent. With that being said, tonight's main event, anybody from WCW who's got the balls to take on The Rock can challenge The Rock one-on-one. Out comes The Rock to the ring, tells Vince, ah, 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 this isn't how this is gonna do. Go. The Rock wrestles who he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And Vince looks at him, with the most serious look in his face, and he says, this is my company, I need you, I'm scared. Never once has Vince McMahon uttered the words, I'm scared. So, with that being said, Rock's standing in the ring, he's getting ready, he's looking around, he shakes Vince's hand, Vince gets out of the ring, and DDP's music hits. Crowd goes nuts, we're gonna get DDP versus The Rock in the main event on the first ever Raw that Vince had bought WCW. So this match goes on. DDP gets in the ring and we have the match. DDP has the upper hand the entire time, and the reason why is because you got to get DDP over with the WWE crowd. The Rock gets Diamond Cutter. Actually, DDP goes to reverse the Rock Bottom, hits the Diamond Cutter of course the rock kicks out ddp is shocked so he just runs out to the outside grabs the ring bell goes to swing it the rock ducks rock bottom both are laid out McMahon grabs the title goes to hit ddp and hits the rock accidentally ddp gets the cover wcw gets the win so i hope you enjoyed can you book it uh... i have not in- Pretty much an enjoyable time doing that. Uh, it gives me chills a little bit. I, I, it, it's what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a performer, for wrestling. But at the same time, I've also my my one true love is to be able to sit in the back and book angles and watch it come alive on television. My ideas. Uh, it's my dream job. Um. I have actually considered going to school for it. I figured out what you need degree wise. Um, So I'm looking into that. So we'll see where that goes. Now the top five for this week is a request from a real professional wrestler actually. And his top five was color commentaries. These are common commentators. These are guys who only worked, well, they didn't only work, but majority of the time they worked either right next to somebody or they did their little backstage stuff. I was gonna put Mean Gene on here because Mean Gene was a color commentator, but not for long. He was more of a backstage interviewer. and we'll get to that. That's another top five I can do. So, I debated with this. And I mean, I bet you I changed this list six times this morning number five I have to give him his his just deal not many people can be an announcer by their that man is Joey Styles Joey Styles is not only like very smart to the moves like he knows the Japanese names of the moves he knows the American way he knows luchador way he is a very very good announcer I am really shocked, I am really, really, really shocked that AEW did not try to get a hold of Joey Styles to get him to come in and announce that show because if they had Joey Styles uh, with Jim Ross, good grief, sign me up <laughs> all day long. Uh, so I give Styles his uh, the number five spot. I was gonna give him honorable mention but I feel like he deserves this. Uh, he was very good. He had catchphrases, and that's another thing. Not a, None of the announcers nowadays, other than Michael Cole, who says vintage, whoever, whatever, and he just gets on my nerves. I can't wait till he's gone completely. He makes it sound fake by him reading his cards because he has no idea what he's talking about. Joey Styles, number five. Number four, now three and four are the ones that I was like, erase, right, erase, right, erase, right. I put Tony Schiavone at number four. He probably deserves to be number three, but the guy that I put at number three, I feel like he's just too damn good to not be in the top three. I'm a huge fan of WCW, we all knew that. Tony Schiavone was my voice. He was WCW's voice. After Bischoff was gone, during the height of the Nitro era, Tony Schiavone was the guy. He was the lead. There's no other route There was Scott Hudson there, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, I loved that group of guys. Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone were gold on the mic. Everybody says Lawler and Ross. Yes, I get it, but. Go back and listen to some of Tony Schiavone's stuff with Heenan. Like, Heenan sets him up perfect, and then Tony delivers right back. And the same thing goes for for Ross and Lawler. But Schiavone has been in the business for a very long time. He did get out for a while. Uh, But think about the whole time that that really the Crockett promotion was in existence. Tony Schiavone, from eighty. Probably 81, 82, was the guy that you seen on your television screen every morning when you woke up. He was one of the if it wasn't Ross, it was him. <laughs> so um Tony Shavani is the man. I I love Tony. Um I love his voice. Something about him. Um number three number three and i just mentioned him a minute ago bobby the brain heenan okay so not only did he make you want to hate the heel but he was actually a heel with a heel group while he was announcing and he was flair's protege i guess because really mr perfect was was flair's manager and i'm and it's like Wow, that was so good. That WrestleMania eight stuff with Savage and, and Flair and he coming out and declaring Flair the real world's champion and giving him the WCW belt. That was so awesome. But announcing wise, he was amazing. Um, he got the heels over. Um he was funny. His one liners are great. Uh he's got a great he had a great voice. Um, he would make you think about the angle. Like for instance, like he always taught smack on Hogan. But if you noticed, he did it a lot more in 95. When Hogan was really on his way to becoming a heel. In in late 90... Well, early 96, late 95, we all seen the writing on the wall. Hogan was getting booed in WCW. I mean, as a kid, I didn't see it. But the people who were older, I mean, probably didn't see it coming either because it was pretty shocking. But... At the same time, you heard the boos. I mean, I was—I'm a Hogan fan. I go back and look at him and be like, "Damn, how did we not see he was going to be a heel?" Like they—it's not like they swept it under the rug or something. I mean, he was getting booed dramatically, very badly too, especially when Flair would get one up on him. Like that—like it happened a couple times in North Carolina, and it, well, of course, Flair's from there. But crowd one ape shit because Hogan is a WWE guy. Don't care what anybody says. Yes, did he go to WCW? Absolutely. Did he make a name for himself there? Yes. Did he do a good job? Yeah. Did he have a few good matches? Absolutely. But his time that he's known for is WWE. No way around it. Bobby DeBrain Heenan was a master on the mic. That's about the only way to put it. Heenan hated Hogan because he was the babyface, And Heenan was a heel. And he we understood that from the very beginning. He made it at noon. It was awesome. It was well done. Um, I even like Heenan with Vince. That's not a bad, uh, bad group of announcing guys either. Um, number two, and man, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I went over this. Can't tell you. I I struggle with this really bad. Uh, number two is Jesse the Body Vantura. I wanted to put him number one so bad I could taste it. Let me tell you something. If you don't know voices, okay, if you really don't know voices, you know Jesse the Body Vantura's voice. Okay, first off, you want to talk about hating the, ba- the the baby faces. Oh my gosh. Like, he would, like, sometimes you felt like, well, is that real? Like, <laughs> I know he had heat with Hogan, but God's sakes. Like, I mean he would bash Hogan like it was nothing. But when the time was right. See, and this is where I feel like he got it better than Heenan, because sometimes I feel like Heenan just over bashed sometimes. But Jesse, like and one thing that sticks in my mind more than anything was WrestleMania 3. Okay. After, you know, the the tail of the take. Andre, seven foot four, five hundred plus pounds you know hogan six foot six 300 and whatever it was 306 or 303 pounds world heavyweight champion movable force you see a movable object that was gorilla and trust me i wanted to put gorilla on this <laughs> how i didn't i don't know I really don't, and it was so tough, but I felt like Joey Styles, like I was going to put Gorilla, like I was, the original list that I had wrote was Jesse Dabati at 5, Ventura at 4, He knew wasn't even on it, but I, to, I don't know, Gorilla Monsoon with me is like, he's amazing, he did great, but I can't put him in the top 5, I don't know why. I really don't know why. It's not that I dislike him. It's kind of like I ran out of room. But I felt like Jesse Debody Ventura had to be on this. Okay, because not only did he do good work in WWE, but then when he went to WCW, he made that promotion golden. I want you to take a look at the track record. Jesse Debody is one of the first ones to jump ship from WWE to WCW. We all knew The Voice. And him and Jim Ross... That was gold. They are my favorite team of announcers doing play-by-play. They had chemistry. There is nothing else to say. Chemistry is more than anything in wrestling. They had chemistry. A lot of it. Um, I miss them talking. <laughs> uh, I like how Ventura kind of changed his game up when he went to WCW. Um, because it was really, really, really good how he changed from being this, I don't know, dastardly heel announcer to kind of like more on the lines of he just liked watching it. And he was just talking about everybody, whether they were good or bad guys. I think Jesse was very motivated in WCW till Hogan came in. Um, had Hogan not come, we would have had good announcing. If, if, if Jesse had stayed while Hogan was coming in, that Flair and Hogan match, the beginning of it, signed me up. Because just him talking would have had my attention. Um, I love you, Jesse DeBody You're one of my favorites, if not my personal favorite. But number one goes to Jim Ross. I'm just gonna say it, it speaks for itself. Jim Ross has literally seen and done it all, from working backstage to being an announcer. Now, is his announcer lacklusting this day and age? He needs to really relax. I think he's so excited to be back on television and to have something to do since his wife passed. He is just overly excited. And sometimes he gets overly excited and the other two guys have gotten, Shivani and Excalibur have to, you know, he can't get Jungle Boy's name right for some reason. But before the Bell's palsy and even after the Bell's palsy, This guy knows every single thing about the two people or the four people or the six people that are in that ring. He can tell you everything that Kurt Angle has done in his entire life. He can tell you where he's been, where where he's lived, how many kids he's got, how many gold medals, how many championships he's won, what title he needs to win, what title he hasn't won. That's just an example. He did it with everybody. It made you wanna be invested in that guy by hearing him say, well, he's a two-time All-American. Like, let's give Ron, Sim- like, I, the one that sticks out in my mind is Ron Simmons. I will never forget it. As a kid, I was watching WCW Worldwide. I, and it's weird how you remember things. They were, it was right around the time that Ron Simmons was about to win the world title from Vader. And they cut that Miami Hurricanes, like, I think it was Hurricanes. Was that who he was playing for? Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure, but I think I'm right. But he literally ran around the whole entire stadium. Then he's running up the steps and Ross is talking. Uh, You know, and after it comes back, Ross is like, ladies and gentlemen, that is a two time all American football player, majorly athletic, and then he starts, you know, rambling off more accolades at the guys. It's it's all about making the guy look good. And these announcers worry today about making their self look good. When instead you need to be worrying about what's going on in the ring. I'm way past my time. I'm at forty eight minutes. That was the top five. And let's just end on a uh I don't know. Somber note maybe. Um Please take care of everybody out there, man, or we're not gonna get wrestling back. Uh, I struggled to do this episode. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, There's not much going on. Um, I should have touched on Raw. I'm sorry I didn't, I ran out of time. But really, you can watch it. It Speaks for itself. Am I excited about AEW tonight? Yes, because they know how to do it without a crowd. WWE does not, and I'm not gonna ramble on about that anymore. Um, Take care of your families, your kids your grandmother, your mom, this is trying times for us right now. Um, The world has basically been flipped upside down. The wrestling world's been flipped upside down. There's gonna be a lot of releases because of this. A lot of companies not being able to make that paycheck to pay the wrestlers. Uh, It's it's a tough time, man. Um, I pray that everybody's doing okay. Don't let the conspiracy theorists out there shine, shine you away. Um, and I'm not trying to go off of wrestling here folks, but it's the truth. We all need to stick together. There's too many people that are bashing this person for that one and this one. But anyway, y'all have a good week. This has been the turnbuckle takeover episode 11. This is, uh, next week. I hope to be doing one and I'm pretty sure I will be. I'm going to try to get back into the routine again. Um, so we'll see how things go. Thanks for your, I guess, um, suggestions. I'm working with them. Like I said, when I get into my new house, there's gonna be all kinds of stuff on the screen while I'm talking. There's gonna be video. When I do the top five, there's gonna be video, of guys. This is just the beginning of the turnbuckle takeover. Hit like and subscribe. Do all that for me. I love you guys. I miss you guys so much. I miss my friends. I miss my family. You guys take care. This has been the Turnbuckle Takeover. Holla if you hear me.